Hey, get out of that shot microphone boom and get into the doom room. I'm Alex and I'm doomed. Guile says Sonic Boom and I say welcome to the <laughs> doom room. I'm Justin and I'm doomed. I'm Pete. You guys are still doing this in season two? Season two. It's been months since we last watched Doom Patrol ever so long. But finally, the show is back and we're going to be talking about the season two premiere, Fun Size Patrol. Now, if you haven't... Great name. Great name. Uh, well, actually, before we get into it, because I know you like to stop and talk about the names, Pete, yeah, you're also yeah. a big candy fan. How do you feel about fun size candy? There's a lot of discussion in the community about it. Right. Yes, I mean, the candy I, community. Yeah. I love a fun size, you know, as long as they don't mess with it. It's just like you just got to shrink ray it. Otherwise, you know, it's not the same thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> like, I think he's trying to tie into the show here, but I legitimately want to know what you think of Fun Size Candy Pete. No, I mean, I'm saying that, like, you know, the Kit Kat only gives you two bars. Get out of here with that shit. You know what I mean? You're, you're throwing me four or it's not a Kit Kat. Well, okay. you have you know four I mean? tinier bars as opposed uh, Twix to... Twix is only one. I don't know what the fuck this is. Go fuck yourself. That's not uh, a Twix. You start positively, but I think the takeaway here is you fall on the size of Fun Size Less Fun. No, I'm saying, like, there are candy bars that get it right, like Snickers or Three Musketeers or something, that just shrink what is the normal bar. And then there's people who chintz on you, and then it's like, well, this ain't even fucking, like, happening. What do you think they're doing with the Snickers? What do you You think think they're actually shrinking it? So you're getting the same amount of flavor, it's just... Yeah, I want to taste... You know, experience that is uh, similar to what I would with the real size, but in a fun size situation. Have what you, about so we have fun okay. size, we have full size, and then of course unfun size, which is too big. That's like called a king size. It's called king yeah. size. Oh, I think it's. it's and an is unfun there such size. a thing as too big? Well, again, I mean, not again, but as we all know, <laughs> monarchy is bad. Uh, so king, I agree mm. with you. That is the unfun size. It rules. The candy aisle with an iron fist. Wow. Wow. Here's Alex trying to overthrow King George. (laughs) Also, while we're doing ridiculous bits instead of starting the episode, I was hoping the, you know, the DC logo look uh, would have some kind of extra shine on it for season two, a little extra something, a little, you know, sauce, nothing. I was a little disappointed. I feel like if a show gets a second season, you should throw them some more more love. If anything, I could be wrong about this, but they took away some of the sauce because even though this season, I believe, was on DC Universe, the DC Universe logo was gone, and instead it said... HBO Max original at the beginning versus mm. the first season, they still had it on there, even though it is only on HBO Max at this point. So, well, guys, let's keep the conversation fun size here and move on to talk about the rest of the show. <laughs> sure. Well, so, I if mean, you ha- no, you know. I mean, I, I think it is tough to lose DC Universe. I mean, you know, I wasn't, I, I definitely liked I a lot a of the stuff of it. Uh, yeah. Like, I actively I, worked against them. No, no. I I thought like I had some cool stuff. And plus, you know, the comics right there is a nice option to like, hey, this TV show is cool. Let me check out the source material. I like the idea of it for you. Why don't you get um, all of the DC superheroes tattooed on your arm? So before you watch anything, you can just look at your arm and then see it. Yeah, but you got to do the cool, like, camera angle stuff. You know what You can just move your arm around. And just like, flex it. I don't want to flex on you, yeah, you guys can do at the start thing. of every, you know. You could do that thing. You could do, like, you get, I know it's not a DC character, but you get, like, a Hulk there who's, like, 
Bruce Banner, and then when you flex your huge muscles, he turns into the Hulk. Wow, that, let's not miss the work. chance to talk about Pete's jacked ass muscles. <laughs> Pete is the yoked jackalope of the podcast. Oh man, that's right. It's nice to see the yoked jackalope back. You know what I mean? Yes, major character. Who knew? Would have known that one-off conversation about uh, ja- the jackalope from America's Funniest People would end up being a major part of our lives. Yeah. yeah. Let's very briefly talk about what happened to this episode, just in case you haven't watched it in a while. So the entire Doom Patrol has been shrunk down. They're living on Cliff's model while they're trying to figure out how to get bigger. Larry Which is, is a great working, idea. Great idea. Larry yeah. is working on that with Niles, but it's not working. So ultimately, Niles has to rely on Willoughby to do it and makes a deal that we don't know the full ramifications of yet. Which was Rita's idea, by the way. But we, uh, the main thrust of this episode is really meeting Dorothy, his daughter, for real. We find out she has these powers, these imaginary friends that she can make seemingly real, and they're all terrifying and all have different abilities and things. Uh, And by the end of the episode, everybody is back to regular size, not fun size, in fact. Wait, you thought Darling was terrifying? Yes. Yes. Perhaps the most terrifying. What? What? They're all terrifying. Darling was adorable. Darling didn't do anything bad to anybody. Uh, How about this, when she moves her head in this way where it's like, that's not, that's like a scary robot way of moving your head. Sure, yeah. Oh, you like Darling. That's very weird. Uh, Anyway, at the end of the episode, they're all regular size, but we do have a setup for a lot of different character arcs for everybody, which I'm sure we'll get into here. Now, again, broad strokes, just because we're starting off here at a new season. And Justin, I know you weren't totally satisfied with the season one finale. Given that, how'd you feel about the season two pickup? Well, let yeah. me just say, I like the finale. It just didn't feel like a finale. Like, I, I love this show. I think the show is great. Again, I wish someone had just told us about it before now. It's crazy um, that not a single person on our Patreon it. Slack ever mentioned stop. it. Stop. You or guys just, are horrible just, or people. Or just passersby. Uh, if it's not a close just, person, at least a stranger just, should just, like, look over and be like, here's your mail. Also, have I you checked out Doom Patrol? Bit. I do not sign off <laughs> on this stranger bit. I do just not check. Is your mail bad? What you know your mail mailman? I do. You know your mail person? Barbara is my mail person. She's amazing. Yeah, I also know my mail person's name. What's the name, Alex? Uh, we don't have time for this. Go on with what we're saying <laughs> about the episode. Uh, interesting. You're g- claiming a huge relationship with your mail person. You don't know their first <laughs> oh, name. Man, now I'm picturing our, my mailman listening to this podcast and a lone tear yeah. going down his face. Oh, oh Alex. You know so more anyways, the app bills. starts with London 1927, which uh, hold on, time is just insane. Wait, just wait. I know you about need us to start talking about this for some unknown reason. Uh <laughs> But um, I, I, this uh, first episode, everyone's back in sort of a darker place. Yeah. Um, a lot of the work that they did um, on their individual uh, mental states has sort of fallen back. Rita still in a leadership role and feels like the most ready to move forward, but everyone else yeah. is unhappy and maybe getting worse. Yeah, and also like Niles keeps getting worse. Like Niles can't stop being an asshole. Like he Rita's like, Hey, you should probably talk to that Willoughby. And he's like, shut up Rita. And then he goes and does that. Exactly. It was like, what do you, can't you just fucking try being nice to people? Well, you completely he, fucked over all of these people's lives and you're just continue to be the worst. Well, think about it from a, like a guilt perspective. Like he mm-hmm. admitted, he came clean and said that he messed up their lives, 
and but through science, and they're like, all right, we are mad at you. We'll help you save your daughter. Now do the one thing we need you to do using science, make us big, and he fails at it over and over and over again. So yeah, he's a little sensitive to being called out by Rita in front of everybody. Um, he is still not doing a good job. He's trying to stay positive despite the fact that everything sucks, and he's scared of his daughter. And I'll maintain, I know we had a disagreement about this last season, but I'll maintain that he is doing the wrong things for the right reasons. I think I'm saying that correctly this time, where he is trying to make them big. He is lashing out at them, but also they're all being very selfish this episode. They're all being focused on themselves. And ultimately, I think the lesson of this episode is they are better Um, and stronger when they work together with each other and when they support each other. Because for the most of the episode, like... For example, I know Dorothy is almost 100 years old, probably at this point, but she's a kid and they are being 100 year old kid. Very. That's uh, the movie with Steve Carell, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. A 40 year old virgin. Is Uh, that what you're talking about? Either way. (laughs) The sequel. Yes. Sequel that nobody wants. They're being very mean to her, or they're being dismissive to her. There's that conversation that Cliff and Jade have where they talk about, like, what did Niles fuck to come up with her, which is gross. Well, I mean, come on. They were, you know, hanging out by uh, Danny the Brick. By the Brick. They were hanging yeah, out come by the on, Brick. They're both, Danny you know, the Brick, the most accepting Brick in the entire universe. Yeah. Like, we don't get a lot of insight there, but that's double rude. It's not just rude to Dorothy. Triple rude. It's not just rude to Dorothy. It's not just rude to Niles. It's rude to Daddy as well. Wow. Danny needs a little rude. gossip hangout. They're the only ones even acknowledging Danny the Brick's existence. Nobody else comes to visit Danny the Brick. They're over there having a conversation. Oh, do you think Danny the Brick is a sassy bitch who loves gossip? I don't know, but it's nice to be <laughs> included brick. in some kind <laughs> of gossip brick. circle. Sassy Brick who loves gossip. Yes, you're um, right. That is a really sweet thing to include people in some nasty gossip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about people who are on the other side of the brick. Yeah. Just, right on, just the brick. on the other side. That was a fun reveal. Like, oh, Always right check there. every side of the brick before you start <laughs> talking shit. That's my advice. <laughs> I don't want to do advice. the advi- advice section early, oh, but let me man. say, yeah, check yeah, okay. all sides of brick. Where were you at Stonewall? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, that is not. Whoa. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Whoa. I actually Whoa. don't know what I'm what saying What just there. happened? Yep. That's why you'll probably have to go back and cut that part out. <laughs> oh, uh, most definitely. Oh, now, man. Um, I, I think everyone is being selfish, like you're saying, Alex, and just caught up in their own shit. And I think it it culminates in the moment where they go and see uh, Jane, Cliff, and Dorothy go to see uh, – they go to rescue Dorothy who is feeding the rats. And they're like, going to go kill some rats. Ha ha, fun, fun. Then they see the rat mom giving birth and then eating the the runt rat. And that's where I think it locks into place like, hey, nature's hard. A living is hard. Why don't we be nice to each other and help each other out here rather than having dumb fights or like going and killing rats to get our anger out or whatever they had planned there? Yeah, I think that's a really good reading of it. And I I mean, this points to just uh, overall, I love this episode. I thought this was a great season premiere that does a really good job of setting up 
not new conflicts for each of the characters, but extended conflicts for each of the characters. It sets them up for something that brings them to this next stage with Jane, with Larry, with Cliff, with everybody else on the team, uh, including Niles here, who has been mostly off screen for the first season. We get a lot more about him here and a lot more involved here, which I thought was really nice. And like you said, that really does come together in the whole rat storyline, which is a perfect Doom Patrol storyline, tying into Cliff's deal with Admiral Whiskers from season oh. one. Now he's just fighting rats. That's all he's got. Killing them. Killing well, rats. He was just them. punching them at first, but then uh, Niles pushed him. And then he was wearing Admiral Whiskers, and that was hilarious and it sad. It wasn't necessarily Admiral Whiskers. It was oh, just that was Admiral rat. Whiskers. That was Second Lieutenant Big Ears, I think. Uh, oh, if I, okay. if I know my Rat Navy pretty well, mm-hmm. I think okay. that's that I was. think Admiral Whiskers was destroyed when Danny the Street was changed into Danny the Brick last season. I would think so. Yes. Do you think, though, that it was like, oh, man, OK, guys, great job in season one. What are we going to do with season two? It's like, well, let's just really make it more insane. Like, I don't know, guys, like maybe we shouldn't have this creepy candle monster that makes kids make wishes. Like, I don't know. It seems like a lot of the time. Wish. Like, oh, stop. make wish. <laughs> That's the kind Pete. of genie that we need. <laughs> make I, I, wish, Pete. <laughs> I feel like it could have been. I don't Do know, you want me to put the candle a on? A, <laughs> should I put the candle on a cake or Trust just in, in your dying? <laughs> make wish. I gotta make uh, you make a wish by the end of the season, Pete. It's gonna happen. I, I just wanted. I don't make know. I, I thought like maybe we could have like eased into the craziness, but we just went. No, hard. I, if you do want to go back and talk about the first scene, I thought that was great because like we talked about the last episode with the season one finale, it's weird that they don't have Dorothy there and you don't see her, which is mostly because of casting things. So getting right face, to it, you see just her back. She yeah, has a front. We learned big reveal. Yeah, in this yeah big reveal. But getting to see her at the circus, getting to see how she was tortured, it gives you sympathy for her immediately. Like, I think we already have natural sympathy for a little girl in pigtails who talks like this with a little, like, a, mm-hmm. like an orphan nope, from not a musical. Me. Not you? No, I'd step on that kid in a second. What? What? Just because <laughs> someone has Peter. pigtails and talks with an accent doesn't mean they, you know, can walk wherever they want. You know what, what I mean? What happened to you? Walk where they want you? Who? What did you I'm just insulted saying, like, by you a know, four-year-old like, ragamuffin? I just, <laughs> you know, just be as a little bendel stick and, you know. What did you know. Tiny Tim do to you, Pete? <laughs> did you get beat up by the apple dumpling gang? I'm just saying, you know. Well, Mr. Scrooge, let's go kick <laughs> Pete LePage's little ass. That's what I want to do on Christmas Day. Oh, man. Pete I was put in the on. hospital for a month by the cast of Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what could it, Pete loves gruel. He was the one orphan, and Oliver was like, I like it here. You yeah. guys get the fuck out. Okay, I guess <laughs> if I'm the only girl. one that thought it was like, you know, really insane out of the, you know, out of the box. No, that's what I'm saying is I think it goes very hard there with the scene with Dorothy where we get to meet her. We get to understand her because she is she's the focal point for the episode. She's our in here, like imagining somebody who had never watched the first season, just uh, spitballing here. Maybe not a lot of people had DC Universe. So Slam. the fact that. The second season, you do provide this in through Dorothy, where she is interacting and seeing all of the characters and reintroducing us, resetting the conflicts. That's really important up front, but also showing that she's not just 
this little girl who is very innocent and, you know, just kind of there to be fun and uh, youthful. But in fact, it has this hugely dangerous power where we don't even get to see it, which is very effective. We just get to hear. Uh, we get to see it like a bunch of people died in that circus. But we get to see the aftermath. We get to imagine yeah. What happened when the jack? A dude's was- head was just laying on the ground there. Yeah, maybe it fell off. I don't know, but you can imagine what <laughs> it happens to a lot of circus people. Mm-hmm. Their heads fall you know. off. Yeah, yeah. It's this a, is it's like a dumb and dumber. My- Our pets' heads are falling off. You know, you know my, and this is true for anybody listening out there. My wife was in the circus, the Ringling Brothers Circus, for four years, and right. there was a condition called uh, loose head. Loose head. This is also true where, yes, just randomly people's heads would fall off. I like that you didn't say what your wife did in the circus. And maybe you shouldn't. uh, Allowing people to, much like like the monster, not really establishing what it was. And let people's imaginations run wild. Sure. I I can say it, though. She was a decapitator. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. What a dangerous skill. the circus is. Well, dangerous. Justin, I think I've talked about it, and Pete's talked about it. What was your take on Dorothy? How did you feel about her? Um, yeah, I like I like the way she is this sweet girl who has this huge threat inside of her, and her relationship where we end in the episode um, with Niles. She overhears Niles talk about her as like basically a riddle he has to solve. Again, further pushing the two of them apart. I mean, the only way he wins before the candle monster comes out is by saying, do you want me to send you away again? So Niles, yeah. as we know, is not a great leader, not a great Horrible. father, not great at caring for people. And I think that the team is going to have to fill that gap because I think what they learned over the course of first season is that they can care for each other and they've lost that a little bit, but need to learn it again, perhaps in this season. Also, he's got thin skin. You can't let people sit on the side of a brick and let them talk shit about you a little bit after you ruin their lives. I mean, come you're going to sit on the other side of the brick and let them talk shit without rolling out. Well, you're just going to be like, oh, I keep would, going. I would be go, like, go hey, off, you know what? Queen, I've go been off, horrible King. to you. I've ruined your lives. So, yeah, I could take it a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. All yeah, right. Let I me think- throw this out, Pete. You've become more Cliff than Cliff in the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, Cliff's my favorite character. I, I no, take that oh, as a really? Wow. Oh, oh, revelation. Wow. Shock. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Cliff then and what's going on here. We touched on the rat fighting, which is very fun. Uh, it's I do a fun think pastime. This is a great showcase for Brendan Fraser cursing more than anything. He does um, some stellar cursing in this episode. Cursed, he reminded me of a, like a young a young Pete LePage working on a <laughs> tiny car, swearing a blue streak. It's fun stuff. I mean, it was amazing to see him get to race again. Like there were moments of pure joy for like Cliff to be able to race again and have fun. I mean, until the flashbacks started happening and things went horribly wrong, but. For a couple of seconds there, it was really nice for Cliff. It was terrifying, that race. Those cars go too fast. Maybe, I'm, maybe I've grown old, but those cars are going too fast. Slow <laughs> down the but model cars. It, it was but also the car gets knocked off later, right? In yeah, that, shot, which that was hysterical. Fun. I mean, to show you that, no, they're not going that fast. It's just on that little racetrack, and it's not too fast because yeah. they cut I'll, to the I'll giant say, table. I mean, this is a little bit of a side note, not having to do Cliff, but shout out to the production and set design on this episode oh, in particular, yeah. which was so fun. All of the yeah. stuff with the tidy world was perfect. The gigantic pancakes like the pancakes that larry made tidy but then were still too large for him them it's perfect super fun the little joint larry making those pancakes was so cute 
Like yeah. he was just being so careful. Was and great. that was the tough thing. Well, I don't know if we want to get into Larry, but I mean, it was really heartbreaking to see him. He's doing all these amazing things, but you can't go save your son, bro. You can't save your well, son. So this gets into something just tying up the cliff and Larry conversations. But I think this goes for everybody across the board. They do a really good job of taking what we already knew about the characters from season one and then setting up these new conflicts like Cliff. So much of season one was focused on Clara, his daughter, (laughs) reconnecting her. Bless you, Pete. Uh, And then here we get this twist. Presumably it's going to focus more on his relationship with his father, which we don't know anything about. And we hadn't heard about here. So that's potentially what that's going to be going forward. And Larry, same thing. I'm glad you're starting once again, Pete. Very angry at Larry here at the beginning yeah. of the season because I have a feeling you're going to turn by said. the end of the season once again. I don't think so, man. I'm but really mad at him. After focusing on his relationship with John, now the negative spirit is like, yo, this gets to a question that I think, Justin, you brought up last season is what is his connection to his kids? Where are his kids? And yeah. that's what we dig into really heavily in this episode. Well, in watching this, so we get uh, his son dies, uh, presumably by taking his Horrible. own life. Um, uh, and the negative spirit connects him to him in that moment. And then it, we see when he's reading the obituary that he has another son who is also a veteran. So I think we're probably going to see him try to track down that son and what his life is. But oh, watching you think this, he'll I was, go save that son, but not the one that was dying? Well, it was too late for that son. He he was, no, it wasn't too was late. The fucking him. negative spirit was like, you got time, bro. Let's go. And he was like, no, I can't. I got to make little pancakes. You fuck. Jesus. <laughs> I was so mean. I, I don't, don't think, think that's he had what time. happened at all. It's the same yeah. thing as the John thing where he kind of understands on some level that he's seeing something that really happened. But maybe he doesn't 100% realize it until he sees that headline. Oh, that yeah. Obit. Oh, you don't realize okay. it? The fucking negative being is the one that's showing you what's what, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that can't but be real. But it has the really aspect of a son. dream because his son is still in his son's bedroom. Negative from what spirit he showed him what's happening. He's done this before. It's happened before, and now all of a sudden you don't believe He'll get negative. it by the third time. Give him some slack. Bullshit. But I, negative spirit shows him memories all the time, too. It, it is a confusing thing. And I also want to say, how does a negative spirit know what's up? Was he just got the news? He's How's he know? he's like one with the universe. You know what I mean? It's a light with being, all a bunch like, of people. Yeah, with a bunch of people all around the just world. Just Larry's yeah. relatives and loved ones. That's it. <laughs> wow, that's that's nice. Don't yeah, question the light being knowing what's chain. up. Like what the fuck, bro? I'm not. I'm not questioning it. I just it think seems it's an like interesting. You are. I'm saying, Back is it just Larry? Here's, here's what I think. I Wait, think. why do you love the light being and you hate Larry? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that's no. That's exactly where I stand. I assume that the negative spirit is probably on the trainer family Facebook group or face hole, uh, I guess, in this world. And that's right. where he's getting all of this news. Uh, Larry doesn't know how to use it, so he just doesn't know yet. Classic. Are you saying that the negative spirit is Mark Zuckerberg once and for all? Um, yes. I mean, they have a very similar pallor. Body shape. They have a very <laughs> similar body shape. Yes. Uh, put some pads at a turtleneck on that negative spirit, and you got Mark Zuckerberg right there. I do think this is a really good, whatever you feel about it or how Larry treated it, I think this is a really good emotional mode for Larry to be in going forward, and I'm really interested to follow it. Yeah, um, I agree. And Larry, again, sort of walks his own path in this episode, separate from everybody else. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't really talk about the flashback either, where we get to see Larry tearing apart his son's model, which oh, is bummer. so sad. 
but also points to the overall conflict that Larry has, which is this level of control. Like he needs this level of control. And that's something we thought he got past last season. But clearly, there's still a lot of other things he needs to deal with here. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that was we, a tough scene. Why don't we talk about Rita? We touched on her a little bit. Uh, how did you feel about her arc? I mean, let's. I mean, you guys have kids. I mean, when they come up to you and say, "I really enjoyed this comic," I mean, do you guys rip into them about like their knowledge base and like how much they're really bringing to the table, or like how do you handle situations like that? Well, it depends. Are they reading some sort of pedestrian superhero stuff? Or are they really getting into the real classics? You know, let's say they're getting into the classics. I'm like, like well, uh, what Moby Alan Dick Moore was, um, what? No, I'm saying more mouse, you know. What, what Alan Moore yeah. was doing with his Swamp Thing run was getting into the psychosexual nature of the swamp spirit <laughs> and how it connects to the green. Right. But I'm saying if you're, you know, a child didn't quite grasp all that, you know, would you correct them or? My you know? five-year-old gets what <laughs> Alan Moore was going for, I think. <laughs> okay. All right. She has a pretty good understanding of the larger environmental and, as I said, psychosexual context in which uh, Alan Moore was was positioning his his spirit of the swamp or swamp thing. Okay, all right. I guess. So. Anyway, I tore up that uh, <laughs> that Jughead comic she was trying to enjoy and got her into Alan Moore. So Rita's arc I really like because it brings together a lot of the things that we've been talking about with her. She really is trying to take control of her powers. It's almost an interesting counterpoint with Larry, who needs to have less control, while Rita actually has to have more control. Mm. Um, or at least, as Cyborg pushes her, figure out a way to take her lack of control and put it into something positive. Um, what did you think about that scene where he is essentially negging her into using her powers properly? Yeah, that was rough to start. And then I was like, oh, okay. It was something to get her to use her powers. Uh, it would have been nice if he was like apologized afterwards. But I think, um, you know, it's interesting because that's what was her breakthrough was when she's standing there later and she kind of like has to kind of like channel something for it to work. Like she can't just look at the statue and her hand's going to just go do it. Like there's something else that she needs to kind of get connected with to use uh, her power there. So, I mean, that was such a great moment when she did it. She's so excited. She runs to Vic, but Vic's gone. And I'm worried that like, you know, we're losing Cyborg here and we're getting Dorothy. And I'm just wondering like what the status quo moving forward is because, you know, Vic helped them through a lot, you know? Um, Yes. And Vic does a very superhero thing with Rita, I think he's like, he, he said, negs her into it. Um, and then he, he's just not dealing with his problems. Um, at least like the other characters have made gestures toward their issues in the past. And he just hasn't because of his superhero ego. Um, and I think he's going to go and, and then eventually make his way back after something bad happens. Well, I'm wondering if he's going to go, if he's gone to like talk with his father or like where he's gone to, you know what I mean? I would suggest you watch episode two to find out, probably. Are we going to keep going? You think nah, we'll do we're episode good here. Two? We're done. <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> we don't, uh, to your point, we don't get as much Vic here, which is a little surprising. Um, certainly he's part of it, but 
he is pretty much powering through. So it will be interesting to potentially dig more into him the next episode. But I do like the place that we're finding Rita. Like I said last season, she's really becoming the heart of the team, if not necessarily the leader. And it's a great place to put her. Let's talk about Jane, who is still shooting up this episode, still repressing everything in the underground. And Hammerhead seems to be the only one who's like, yo, get your act together. This is going to get worse before it gets better. Time for a change. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. Um, but you see her at the end. She rejects all of that uh, and goes back into the sort of heroin-esque drug. Um, I love that they just cut to the underground in the early in this episode. Like, this is a setting for this season where we just go into Jane's uh, internal. I think that's – the show is – very cool with the way it moves through the sometimes wild places that it goes. Well, it also, to that same point, it respects the viewer's intelligence to remember what the underground is. There's nice little subtle clues through all of this stuff. Like we talked about, Dorothy is a really good in for potential new viewers for introducing the characters. But there's enough of this shout-outs and tie-backs to everything that happened in the first season where they don't necessarily spell it out that it makes it nice to watch. It's a rich world that only gets richer as it goes. Yeah. Um, there is one other character. Uh, I yes. have a couple things uh, real yeah, quick. Yeah. Um, I like the way, so we get, um, uh, Niles cutting his hand in the not good way. Yeah. We've uh, been so on about this on a bunch of different podcasts, but he cuts his palm, which is just stupid. Just the dumbest way to cut your hand. And that's how he conjures Willoughby with um, a blood, a ukulele, an umbrella, and a lovely rendition of Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter, a great song. Great song. Um, is that the way you would want to be conjured, like as a sort of straight-up prank? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'd want blood in a harmonica playing mm. um, Meat Loves Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Oh, well, rest in peace. But you, you guys would have to do the duet. Yeah, I I will say if anybody cuts their palm, I'm not going to come because yeah. that's stupid. Like you're that's just, just being the worst. dumb and you don't yeah. deserve my help at that point. Yeah. So, oh, really? That's funny because I want tongue blood. And, uh, I'm cultured. <laughs> Good old that's what we called blood. you, right? Back in college, freshman year, they're like, right. what's up, tongue blood? And I was like, oh, tongue hell blood. yeah, let's go to our the theater class. <laughs> I'm tongue blood. <laughs> A freshman actor. <laughs> I did like that scene, and to the same point about this being a cumulative effect, bringing back Willoughby to do the magic stuff was very fun. What, since Pete and I, Pete, you've watched this full season, right? Or you watched only part of the season? Uh, yeah, I think I just, uh, uh, yeah, I, I dropped off somewhere in the halfway mark. Okay, mm, so I watched the full fun. season. Yeah, this will be fun. Uh, so I've watched the full season here and halfway through season three. Just as a reminder, Justin, this is the first time through. First time. So I don't give up j- on stuff. I don't give up on things. I don't stop halfway through anything. Go tug blood. Justin, yeah. <laughs> what do you think is going on with this amulet or talisman or whatever it is that Niles has given to Willoughby? I don't know. It feels like a powerful thing. Um, I wonder if it, it relates to um, the mother of Dorothy, like finding her was my, my first thought. We also get uh, the mention of a character that I don't think we've heard of before named Iceman or Iceman or Val Kilmer from Top Gun. Oh. Is that what we're talking about here? No, no, no. He's coming. He's coming. It's okay. That'd be fun. That'd that be, fun. be fun. Um. I don't know. I mean, we don't get any clues about it. We don't even really. It's only just very lightly gestured at that he. That's the reason he what they were made big. He must mm-hmm. have communicated 
I guess, mentally to, uh, to well, Willoughby there was a scene it. either got cut, if you want to say that, or they just left it off. Like when we last yeah. see them, he says, absolutely no, I'll never do that. And then a bunch of other things happen where it does feel like Niles realizes, you know what? He has to make this deal. He has to give up everything. And I do think that points to like, I know you guys seem very anti-Niles, but this points back to what I've been talking about, where I think ultimately he does do the right thing here, even though it's going to have very bad consequences, whatever those are, down the road. Yeah. Well, you were talking about when he lied to Dorothy? It was just like, hey, listen, you're, you're going to be all right, and I'm not no, going No, not that part. The part where he gave up whatever was around his neck to Willoughby, clearly that was something very bad that he didn't want to do. I'm sure there's going to be repercussions there. You think they were like fake dog tags from Hot Topic? Oh, that said Iceman on them? Yeah. Something to think about. Man, man. I haven't seen this. Hot Topic. I haven't seen this, so I'm offering some like very useful theories from this point. Youthful. I went into Hot Topic the other day, and they're like, hey, what are you looking for? Are you looking for bomber jackets, uh, fighter jets, army memorabilia, <laughs> anything like that? We got all that stuff. Flat to be honest, Alex, they were like, hey, old man, get out of Hot Topic. <laughs> None of this stuff's for you. Yeah. I'm goth. <laughs> I'm goth. <laughs> I said, crying, running down to the Orange Julius two stores away. Oh, there wow. I love the layout of this mall. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple of other moments to call out. Um, I really like the line, being grown up uh, doesn't give you a pass to be an asshole. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. pretty good. Made me think of you guys. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> um, I want to say, Pete, what'd you think of the, the joint rolling ability of Larry? What's the Impressive. smallest joint you've rolled? Uh, well, I don't, you know, I don't roll small joints, so I don't know, but, uh, yeah, kid, yeah, tongue bug. <laughs> <laughs> but that was adorable. The fact that, uh, you know, uh, LT was taking requests and, uh, hooking things up for people. You know what I mean? I'm tongue bud in your baby arm, right? Because you only <laughs> roll, roll the fattest joints. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and Alex yeah. is too old for Hot Topic <laughs> It's always been Alex been Spencer gifts. Hot Topic for sure We could call you Hot Topic for sure Yeah, HT I prefer HT. HT if you don't mind HTB HTZ And BA down there BA Baracus Yeah <laughs> Also really like the line You're just a scientist who did fucked up things to a broken little girl Just because Jane oh. is talking about Dorothy But also clearly talking about herself And I thought that was yeah. really nice I liked subtle, when uh, Cliff line. Cliff called Niles a shitty scientist to his face. That was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fucking Niles. Also, the there's a very offhand one, but Lego figures can't be choosers. That's that pretty good. Good, good Willoughby line. I mean, we got to talk about the elevator. That was hysterical. Like, Cliff got them all pumped up and then cut to, like, the elevator just, like, taking forever to go down. Because it's a toy elevator. It's a little toy elevator. I mean, that stuff, that and the car being super tiny and flying off just very satisfying on a comedic level. Like they did the same thing, essentially the same joke in the first Ant-Man movie where they're having this huge fight on Mm -hmm. top of the trade and then it cuts and it's just super tiny trade, making tiny trade noises. But that's what you got to do. Best joke of that movie. Yeah. uh, By a pretty long shot. But this works really here too. It's just very, it's very satisfying to see that happen with the elevator, with the car, all of that stuff. Agreed. How about the great, um, shout out to Yellow Jackets when Cliff walks in with the rat jacket. Oh yeah, do you think Cliff is the antler queen? <laughs> I mean, let's let's put it out there again. Useful theory. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what do you think? 
Oh, I just lost it. Uh, oh, there's the whole thing with Cyborg, which we didn't really talk about, hallucinating that Mr. Nobody and Beard Hunter are gone from the painting. We get the shout out there. It's what do you think is going on there? Is that Mr. Nobody playing with reality again? Is that Cyborg just glitching out? What's going on? I think, yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's probably true that it happened. I think they are probably not there and just left a little picture of themselves there or whatever. Pete? Yeah, I mean, I was really, when Cyborg first checked on the painting, I was just kind of like, set the painting on fire, bro. Like, what are you doing? That is just a ticking time bomb that you guys are just like, we'll put it right here, pause on these supervillains in this painting, no big deal. Well, I think it looks like they're trapped in there, so they don't want to, also it seems like a very powerful thing, so they don't want to just get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, who knows what would happen when you set it on fire. Any other notes from the episode? Any other moments that you guys want to call Because they're in a painting. I don't know. I don't know how magic paintings work. Do you think Mona Lisa dies when you burn Mona Lisa? <laughs> she definitely stops smiling. Yeah, she turns she's, frowns. She's not scream. smiling. She's... She turns into the screamer. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that painting's called. <laughs> the screamer. The, the, the yeller? Old yeller. L- loud oh, yeah. Dan? I think hey, it's uh, loud This museum Dan. got one of them old yellers going on? <laughs> I'm here to see you know old I mean. Dan. <laughs> Loud uh, great. Dan. Well, why don't we start to wrap this up then and talk about who was most doomed this episode. Pete, who's most doomed? The frogs. Those poor frogs that are being tested on and murdered. What the fuck, man? What if one of those is a uh, Thor frog? You know what I mean? Like, what? you can't just kill frogs. That's fucked up. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, similar shout out to all the rat runs out there. Man, oh, you got it man. hard. You got, if you made it out, good on you. Um, good on you. Because that's not easy. Uh, most doomed, though, in the of our Doom Patrol, uh, I think Cyborg's the most doomed currently. Mm-hmm. He holds the doomed belt uh, because he's left his family and not de- dealing with everything very well. I'm going to say most doomed is Jane right now, where the other characters all have these paths forward or at least trying to explore what's going on with them. Jane is retreating further and further into herself, literally, and I think that's a really bad position to be put in. And also, of course, the pancakes who got totally murdered this episode. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And now, before we wrap up here, first from season two, a piece of advice from Pete LePage. Just because you're a kid doesn't mean you're special. Right? You got to obey the rules just like everybody else. Wow, I don't know if that's yeah. a piece of advice so much as a threat to children. <laughs> Heavy dad energy. Multiple <laughs> threats for children here. But for season two, um, this is Baby Arm, Hot Topic, and Tongue Blood <laughs> signing off. 